When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Score! Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, the Edmonton Oilers are in their bye week. Meanwhile, it's the final game for the Calgary Flames before their bye week. The Flames taking on the Penguins. No score early in the second period. Sidney Crosby, three points away from 1,000 in his career. The Flames currently out of the playoffs. They have the same number of points as the Blues, but the Blues with a couple of games in hand, nine points behind the Edmonton Oilers, so Pittsburgh could do Edmonton a bit of a favor by winning in regulation time tonight. Other action. Sharks lead the Sabres 2-1. That's early in the second period. Of course, San Jose three points ahead of the Oilers and Ducks atop the Pacific Division. The Ducks are trailing the Rangers 2-0. That's early in the second period. Capitals with a 2-0 lead on the Hurricanes as the second period begins. Ovechkin has his 26th of the season. Late in the first for these ones, Maple Leafs up 1-0 on the Stars. Blues and Senators scoreless. Wings and Jackets tied 1-1. The Lightning have gone up 1-0 on Los Angeles. There's a, another Pacific Division team in action. Canucks and Predators just getting underway. Still to come tonight, the Wild and the Jets and the Canadians play the Avalanche. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, that was your scoreboard courtesy of Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Visit crystalglass.ca. The Edmonton Eskimos schedule has been released. Of course, the entire schedule for the CFL released today. Last couple of years, we were looking at the Eskimos schedule and saying, what the heck is going on? Well, not this year. It makes sense. Their buys are in weeks 3 and 14. They never have more than two consecutive games at home. They never play more than two consecutive games on the road. The second half of the schedule alternates home and away. Uh, pretty uh, conducive to, I think, uh, the team being fairly rested most of the time and uh, also to uh, keeping the fans interested. Pretty regular stuff. And uh, Friday and Saturday for all the regular season home games. No Thursday home games this year. I know those often aren't very popular with a lot of you. More on that with Ryan King from the Eskimos in about uh, 25 minutes and you can get more by going to the Eskimos page on 630ched.com. Kellen Kennedy has been working on the uh, other side of the window today and through the evening. He's our studio producer. Kellen, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. How about yourself, Reed? What is the 
What is your record now for being the uh, studio producer for Oilers games? What are you up to? Uh, at the break, we're sitting at 25, 12, and 7. 25, 12, and 7. The Oilers have won 29 games. You've been on the board for 25 of them. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. Yep. Yep. The, the Oilers, what are they, 10th overall in the league? Would you say that's, uh, you know, okay? Oh, I'd, I'd say that's good. above average for the year. That's, I think everybody was expecting, you know, maybe they compete for the final playoff spot. Maybe they'd be in, in around there and that stuff. I think they've been above average all year. I think they've been exceeding expectations. So, All right. Fair enough. Uh, they're doing okay. They're, they're, they're winning more than they're losing. They're doing all right. And I love always talking to the fans. And by the way, you can call 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. And the email, and somebody used my email today. Don't get a lot of listener emails anymore. For a while, it was the in thing. Inside sports at 630ched.com. Pretty easy email. I got an email here from, uh, from Harvey. And I'd like to read it and uh, share some thoughts on it. And uh, and go deeper into some stats, because I think people are going to find this pretty interesting, okay? So here's the email, Kellen. And, and this, by the way, this, this showed up to me uh, at 12.48 this afternoon. So I'm assuming Harvey was listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, but decided to email me. Perhaps he finds Bob intimidating. Perhaps he thought Bob would ignore the email. Perhaps he thought Bob can't read and therefore would ignore the email. I don't know. But Harvey decided to reach out to to old Wilkie, even though I wasn't on the air at that time. But that's okay. I was happy to get the email because it is interesting. So here's Harvey's email, Kellen. I'm going to read it verbatim, which I I think means word for word. It's a short email. Should the focus be on winning face-offs? or the 600-plus giveaways this season. The Oilers lose 53% of the face-offs and proceed to give the puck away the other 47%. That's from Harvey. All right. So what, what Harvey is saying, Harvey's claim here, is that the Edmonton Oilers virtually never have the puck. That's really a literal interpretation of what he's saying. Uh, so they've done. Harvey must be stunned that they're 29, 18, and 8, and they've, according to him, had the puck maybe what, like two seconds in a game? <laughs> so I thought, well, no, no, rather than just ignoring Harvey or being sarcastic or something, which I just was, but seriously, hear me out, I thought. You know, I, I'll just I'll just look into this a little bit. Now, I, I will say this, Kellen. I, I know there's a lot of stats, and I, and I love stats. I probably love stats more than the when I was a kid. As do I. But you know, the 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 full NHL game sheet has obviously the goals, assists, ice time. Then it has the shots on goal, shots that go wide, the shots that were blocked, and it has giveaways, takeaways, and hits, which I've, I always have found. Um. I don't want to say not reliable because I know a lot of guys that work on the Rexall Play Stats crew and they do a really good job. Let me let me say this: they can vary from rink to rink. Rogers it's, Place. Some rinks are. Did I say Rexall Place? You said Rexall Place. Well, I don't yeah. think I've done that all year. Gonna nope. put five cents in the jar. Rogers Place. Rogers Thank Place. You. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, I, I, you know, they can vary from rink to rink. So something. I think what it was at Dallas was known for a few years as, as a rink that gave out a lot of hits. So anyway, but I thought, okay, let's let's just let's just look into this. Because I thought 
because I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I have not been tracking the Oilers' uh, giveaway total throughout the year. So, went on the NHL website, sorted the team stats by giveaways. The Edmonton Oilers have indeed given away the puck 601 times. So he's right, 600-plus giveaways. Okay. That is the second most in the entire NHL. So the Oilers have given away the puck a lot, assuming that the standards are the same from rink to rink. Fair enough? Sure. All right. Now, the team that has given the puck away the most all season long, they're in the 700s. They have over 100 more giveaways than the Oilers. There's a big gap. I'll give you one wild guess, Kellen. Who do you think it is? Pittsburgh Penguins. It is the San Jose Sharks. Oh, okay. It is there the we go. San Jose Sharks. Edmonton, I just, I'll just do the top five. I'm not going to read down the whole list. Edmonton has the second most giveaways. Montreal third. The New York Rangers eighth. And the Washington Capitals fifth. Hmm. Those five teams are all in the top 10 in the overall standings when you just look at points. San Jose's fifth, Edmonton's 10th, Montreal is seventh. The New York Rangers are eighth, and the Washington Capitals are first overall. Right. And they have the fifth most giveaways in the NHL. So what you're saying is that's not the most reliable metric? Well, look, better teams have the puck more, therefore have more opportunity to give it away and Ah. generally have a, a, a larger giveaway stat. So... I, I don't know if I would just look at, at once. Now, here's another thing. Worst team in the league by far this season in, in points. Last overall. Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Horrible team. And we we know about horrible teams in this city. The Colorado Avalanche, uh, pick any team of the 10 that missed the playoffs for the Oilers. Colorado's worse. Okay? Absolutely. They're dreadful. Like the St. Vincent School for poorly coordinated boys might be able to hang in there against the Avalanche. Okay. Colorado Avalanche have only, in in terms of giveaways, are the third best team in the league. They have the third fewest giveaways. So, Harvey, if you're listening, I know you're upset, but the stat you're using is complete bunk when evaluating how good or bad a team is. Now, here's another thing about the face-offs. The Oilers are indeed last. They're the worst face-off team in the league, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, that does concern me to a degree. Because, I, you know, I think in the playoffs, then the Oilers are on pace to get in. I think in the playoffs, puck possession is going to mean even more. The games are going to get even lower scoring. You're, you're going to have to win some draws. Special teams are going to be big. You're going to have to win draws to kills penalties and I know that's why the Brian Boyle rumors is floating around out there and I think that's an appealing potential target for the Oilers. The Oilers are indeed last in the NHL in faceoffs. Second worst faceoff team, Pittsburgh Penguins. They're fourth overall in the league. The third worst team in faceoffs is the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're third overall in the entire NHL. And oh, the San Jose Sharks are one of the five worst teams in face-off. The only bad face-off team that's having a bad season is the Winnipeg Jets. So, so here you have a situation where the top, the, the five teams with the most giveaways are all in the top 10 in the overall standings, and four of the five worst face-off teams are also in the top 10 in the overall standings. You know... I uh, I love to pick stuff apart. I love talking to fans, but 
But that's why sometimes I just say, guys and gals, scoreboard. Okay? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's the only stat that counts, right? It's the two points at the end of the night. So, uh, The Ginge says you have to own possession a ton to give away the puck so much. And Todd says same as blocked shots. Bad teams have to block more. G- generally true. There's there. I think there are some things there that, you, you, again, you could pick apart with anything. So Harvey, I don't know if you're listening. Maybe he just listens to Oilers now but emails me but then doesn't listen. So I wrote Harvey back. I said, hi, Harvey, thanks for your email. According to the NHL website, the Oilers have committed 601 giveaways this season. That's the second most in the NHL. The San Jose Sharks are first, while the Canadians, Rangers, and Capitals round out the top five. Those five teams are all in the top ten in the overall standings. The Colorado Avalanche, who are by far the worst team in the league, are 28th in giveaways. There seems to be very little connection between the giveaway stat and team success. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. It's Inside Sports on Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, so the Oilers' next game will be Saturday. They'll host Chicago. It's on 630 Chet, 630 for the face-off show. The game will start at 8, three-game homestand for the Oilers. Then they head out again, six-game road trip to close out the month of February. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Wilka Paldia says that email wasn't from Harvey the Hound, the Flames mascot, was it? Well, it was. It was. It was not an at CalgaryFlames.com email address. Uh, the Big L says, "Read to be fair, and I'm not necessarily defending Harvey, but you have to admit, after the past decade, a number of skeptical Oilers fans feel like Charlie Brown." And Lucy holds the ball when the team doesn't play well. Stats are consoling to a point, but fair enough. It's going to take more than one winning season for the wounds to heal. Well, yeah, fair comment. I mean, you guys, the fans, have been absolutely, I was going to say, dragged through the mud. And then you were dragged over nails and then through mud again and then broken glass. I mean, that's what the last 10 years have been like. I mean, I don't I mean, I, I, mean, I, I will say this. Now, one point... In my lifetime, the Edmonton Oilers were considered a near-model NHL franchise. They have spent the last decade being considered not just one of the worst franchises in the NHL, but in all of sports. And uh, you know what, guys? The Detroit Red Wings were once considered one of the worst franchises in all of sports. And now they're considered one of the best. Oh, by the way, the New England Patriots were once a joke. Were one, like they were once a complete and absolute joke. So some franchises just have extreme highs and extreme lows. And hopefully the Oilers are coming out of a low. Don says, hey, Reed, the Avalanche, are the Avalanche Islanders and Flames of a few years ago a cautionary tale for the Oilers long term? All those teams looked like they were over the hump only to regress big time. What is different about the Oilers and why will they have staying power where those other teams didn't? Well, that's an excellent question. And and I mean, sure, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying 52 or whatever games into the season, everything's fine. I was just specifically responding to one person's fairly negative email about a decent team. Uh, reason number one is the Islanders, Avalanche, and Flames 
did not have a player the caliber of Connor McDavid. And I don't put McKinnon and Tavares in that category. Even they were drafted number one overall. Uh, absolutely, the, the if the Oilers are going to do this long term, they'll need the goaltending there long term, and they'll need the younger defensemen like Clefbaum, Larson, and Nurse to continue to develop and Sekera to stay solid for the length of his contract. Fair question. I, my response to that email was mostly about this year. Uh, Kirk says, Harvey's on the right path, though. The Oilers will drop like flies if Everly, Nugent Hopkins, Pouliot, Cassian, Lucic, and Maroon don't get points. The Oilers are on the backs of Talbot and McDavid. Uh, okay, well, Pouliot and Cassian don't get points, first of all. Kirk, um... Yes, they need more depth scoring to be a better team. We've beat that horse to depth. But I mean, you can say that you can say that about any team. Your your star player, every good team has has a star player and a good goaltender. Where were the Canadians when Carey Price got hurt 2 years ago? They went from a cup contender to being distantly out of the playoffs. Or last year, I guess, right? Last season. So I mean, they, the Oilers will drop like flies if Everly, Nugent Hopkins, Pouliot, Cassian, Lucic, and Maroon don't get points. Guess what? Those guys aren't getting a lot of points, and they're 10th overall. So I, I don't know what argument you're making, except probably proving you don't very, pay very close attention to the games. Sir Taj is on the line. Hello, Sir Taj. Hello, sir. Hello. So I wanted to talk about, like, uh, the Oilers haven't been making good choice. Uh, uh, okay. So, so there was one play uh, on in Montreal that uh, kind of bugged me for like the rest of the day. Uh, were you watching the game or listening to the game? Yes, I watch all the games. So, uh, did, uh, remember where McDavid got behind the net and uh, um, he went around the net and then Montoya died for it? Yes, I do remember that. If uh, McDavid uh, could have passed it to Dreisaitl, or he could have got into his backhand and made it a one nothing game. Well, I think that would have been really difficult, Sir Taj. He was being checked. He was trying to hold on to the puck. I, I, I mean... I mean that's a tough that's a tough play to make. I, I, if, if there was a pass there that he thought was open, I'm sure he would have tried to make it. And, uh... So, you know what the problem Edmonton has been for the past few... Uh, Seasons. I mean, if you look at the uh, at the stats for the Oilers, like the last couple, the last like decade or so, uh, it's all uh, it's mostly because of their offense is not playing defense, and their defense is not playing offense. I mean, they're they're supposed to play both, but you know, the offense is only playing offense. And the defense is only playing defense. They need more points. Well, sure. They haven't had an elite-level offensive defenseman for a long time. Thanks, Sertaj. They don't have one this year, but they have a couple guys who are are okay production-wise from the back end. All right, it's 6.27. We'll welcome Edmonton Eskimos long snapper Ryan King to the show when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, got a lot of text coming into 630, 630. 
uh, a uh, surprising number of uh, unhappy Oilers fans texting into the show tonight. We'll get to some of those in a few minutes. Calgary has jumped out to a 2-0 lead on the Penguins. They're in the second period. We'll get to your full scoreboard in a few minutes. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I'm Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride. The Eskimos schedule out today. And they will open the regular season Saturday, June 24th at the BC Lions. The home opener Friday, June 30th against the Montreal Alouettes. Saskatchewan is here Friday, August 25th. The Stampeders are going to come once in the preseason and twice in the regular season. So that's pretty cool. And I'm pleased to welcome Eskimos long snapper Ryan King back to the show. Hey, Ryan, how are things? Hey, Reid, how you doing? Doing very well. It's good to catch up with you. How's your offseason been, man? Uh, has been good. I've been uh, been busy training uh, at the stadiums kind of since the season ended, and uh, you know we're uh, we've been we've been back at it in the field house, back at it with a, a good group of guys this offseason in the stadium to town, which is uh, which is great to see. And um, you know we're just uh, we're pumped to to get this offseason over with and get back into training camp and uh, get back on the football field. All right, hey, did you watch the uh, Super Bowl? Of course I did. It was, what a great Super Bowl. That was, uh, I was probably like a lot of other people, I thought the game was over at halftime. I should be saying that because no game's over until it's over. But uh, that was uh, an incredible comeback. And uh, I'm not the, the biggest Tom Brady fan, but uh, I have much respect for him. And, and uh, he's, uh, as they clearly can say, not one of the greatest of all time. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool to watch that game. Uh, well, I mean, you guys went through that, right? Because you guys had a 31-6 lead to Hamilton in the regular season and lost. The stakes weren't the same, but it was an unusual comeback. Um, not to dredge up a, a bad memory, but what, what was yeah, the experience? Thanks, well, what was the experience of that game, and, and then seeing it happen to another team? Well, it's just uh, I played football for a long time, and you know, you guys have watched football for a long time, and it's true when they say no, no safe, no lead is safe until you know the fourth quarter final whistle is done. And, and uh, I, I've been in a lot of uh, games that have been close to, to comebacks like that and, and I've been on the reverse side as well too and um, you know you just you just hope that you can continue playing uh, when you have a big lead you hate to see uh, coordinators kind of change up their game plan and, and not to say that's what happened in the Super Bowl or that's what happened with us but a lot of times you see the momentum flip and momentum is such a big part of the game of football that uh, once you can get a couple touchdowns or block a kick or get a return or something like that um, it goes to show that there's a lot of momentum that fires the whole team up and uh, usually you see successful things happen after big plays, and that's what happened against us, and that's what happened uh, in, in the Super Bowl, I think, as well, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, going back a, a little further, did you did you watch the Grey Cup once you guys were eliminated, or did, or did you need to not have the TV on that day? No, of course I watched. I'm a big football fan. I've always been a big football fan, and, uh, you know, that's a, it's a great game to watch. Uh, obviously, us being in it the, the year before, that was uh, definitely a hard, hard part of it, but... Um, um, it was uh, it was a great game, you know. I'm proud for uh, Ottawa to finally bring one home for for their uh, for their city, and I think it's good for the league. I think it's good for uh, for Ottawa. It's good to see Henry Burris get one uh, on his uh, final year. I have a lot of respect for that guy, and um, you know, it's uh, it was a great game. It was a great comeback. Um, there might have been a couple times that I uh, switched channels, but as soon as the comeback started, it was uh, it was pretty cool to watch uh, to watch. What, what did, uh, you know, as a guy who played against him for several years, what, what did Henry Burris mean to the league? I mean, what, 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 a, what a players, even opponents, think of Henry Burris? I, I think a lot of players have a ton of respect for him because he's been in the league for so long. So if you go across the board on uh, most of the guys in this league, they've either played with him on 
either of the teams that he's played on or they've been playing against him for a long time. And Henry Burris is one of those guys that, uh, again, no, no lead is safe when you're playing against a quarterback like that. He's versatile. He can throw the ball deep. He can throw the ball short. And I think um, one of the biggest things uh, that I've heard and I know about him uh, from lots of players that have played with him, my brother played with him in Hamilton, is the amount of energy he has in the locker room. Uh, he's a great leader in the locker room. Guys, uh, guys want to play for quarterbacks like that. He'll take the hits. He'll get in there in the fourth quarter and make those throws that he has to to win football games. And I think that's what makes him uh, what kind of quarterback he was. All right, Ryan King, Eskimos long snapper, joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chad, your schedule came out today. Uh, give me your initial reaction. I think it's pretty good. It's uh, obviously we've had a tough schedule the last couple of years, and uh, the first thing I did is just flip through and see. Uh, if we had any long road game uh, stints that we had, especially last year. And uh, I think it's pretty good. We, we only have uh, sections of two games were on the road, and that's it. We have no long stretches like that. Our buys work out pretty good this year. Um, and playing in the last couple of seasons, you really do feel, you know, 15-game stretches. Those are really hard to play um, on the players uh, and on everyone. It's, uh, you, you need to have those breaks in a 23-game season, uh, obviously including playoffs. Um, and it's really important to have your bye weeks line up um, in good spots. I think the league did a good job of uh, scheduling us this year to be in good standings uh, across the board. And, and a big thing for me personally is I just think, uh, you know, equality across the league is, is key. When you have teams that have great bye weeks versus teams that have long stretches, you know, that does come into play at the end of the year when it comes to player safety and, and all that stuff. So I'm really happy to see um, our schedule this year. I'm excited about it. Uh, I've started putting the games into my uh, calendar and uh, I think we're just ready to go. All right. Well, you mentioned 2015 because you had the buy in week two and the and the buy in week 20, so you played 17 in a row. And I know you won the Great Cup that year. So, I mean, I know you guys have been great not using the schedule uh, as an excuse, though, because once the game starts, you got to go out and, and play. But you're right; this this one is a lot more balanced. The buys weeks three and 14 are a little more evenly placed. What 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 do you often do during the bye week? Will you still do any working out or? Or training or anything like that, or is it totally you, you take a few days off? No, I think uh, you know you take your normal day off as you would after any normal game, and then uh, it's important to get at least you know mentally the game, watch your game film, break down the next game you got going on. You can spend that whole week preparing for uh, the next game you're going to be having. I think when uh, when season time comes around, uh, you know we're all professional football players, so this is what we love to do. So you know you love bye weeks, you hate bye weeks as well too, because you just want to get out on the field and. And, and compete and play with your team and, and try to win. And, um, you know, but at the same time, it's good for the body. And, and we all know the older you get, the more uh, rest is important. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, if you can be productive during the bye week, it definitely shows coming out of a bye week. You see some teams that struggle coming out of bye weeks. And I think we have, well, uh, well I don't know the statistics, you probably do, but I, I feel like we usually come out strong after bye weeks. I think that's really important um, from a rest period and just being prepared. Ryan, where's your favorite place to play as as a road uh, as a as a road team as a road guy? Well, <laughs> I think one of my favorite places to play is Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg has a phenomenal uh, atmosphere there. They got great locker rooms, a great stadium. Um, their fan base is so loyal to uh, to their team, and and it's uh, it's definitely an electric place to play. And the fans are all over you from the moment you walk in the stadium until you leave. And uh, you know, it's uh, definitely a pretty rowdy place to play, but I think a lot of stadiums are like that. You know, you got a lot of passionate CFL fans across the league, and they obviously want their teams to win. But, uh, you know, yeah, to answer your question, I'd definitely say uh, Winnipeg uh, is a great place to play. 
Did you know a lot about the new stadium in, in Regina? Or uh, You won't see that till November 4th. You're the last team to go in there. I, I wonder. Do you wonder if it'll lose some of the, the charm that uh, Mosaic Stadium had, or, or was it time to get rid of that building? No, I think it's, I think it's time to get rid of it. I think you can, you can kind of compare that towards um, uh, Hamilton's situation when they got rid of their, uh, their old stadium, got in the new one. It was just, uh, just an up, uplift of, of the whole stadium, the city, the fans. Yeah, I think it's an exciting part of uh, Saskatchewan. I think this is the right time for them to do it. Um, obviously, coming off of a couple uh, tough years, I think this might give them a little bit of a boost to, to get things rolling again. And, and I know Coach Jones is going to do a good job uh, getting their team ready to go to compete during the year. And um, I've seen a couple pictures of the stadium, and obviously being there, you see the stadium getting built. And, uh, you know, it looks great. I've seen a couple of those little virtual tours they do through it. From the guys uh, that are playing for Saskatchewan that have had the, the walkthrough of it, I've who I've talked to, they said it's uh, it's going to be you know tier one stadium, and I know they're not cutting any corners uh, as Saskatchewan you know never would when it comes to, to football. Ryan, who do you consider the Eskimos' chief rival right now? I think you always got to go Calgary. Calgary's always always comes out every year, year in year out. They compete. Um, they're they're coached very well. Their management's very well. They bring in really good players across the board. Their scouts do a great job of uh, bringing in guys. Uh, might not know about uh, at the time and they come out and they compete their starters and they're successful um and i think just you know edmonton calgary rivalry to me is uh, i'm being a little biased because i am an edmontonian but uh, i think that's one of the best rivalries in uh, in the game right now and um and i think yeah i think there's definitely our top rivals calgary what player in the cfl that's not a teammate do you enjoy watching it's not a teammate. I think uh, Matt Nichols. I think uh, I, I, he was on our team for a long time. I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for Matty Ice, and uh, it's great to see him be, being successful. And, and Winnipeg, he, he waited a long time to get a shot. Uh, he was such a good locker room guy. He was such a good teammate while he was here. I'm just sitting and waiting for his opportunity. And uh, I'm, you know, really proud of him uh, as a friend and, and as a, uh, an opponent playing against him now to see him be successful. And I'm glad to see that Winnipeg. Uh, finally pulled the pin and uh, made him uh, kind of their franchise quarterback right now and I think he deserves uh, everything that he's getting. All right. Uh, well, so schedule day, Ryan, and just one more before I let you go. Tuesday is going to be free agency day. Is that another day where you're close to your uh, TV and your phone to see what new teammates you might have or how do you how do you approach that one? Yeah, I love free agency day. Uh, there's always a lot of exciting things that happen across the league. Obviously, the first couple days are are uh, most of the big, big, big time guys that are getting moved around the league, and so I'll definitely stay close to uh, my phone and kind of see, like you said, who our new teammates are going to be. And uh, but it's also uh, nice to see uh, even guys that you lose. It's good to see them get another opportunity uh, to get uh, on other teams. And you know, this this league is uh, every year is shaken up, and there's always surprising moves happening in free agency. And I think that's part of what makes the CFL so exciting. Is uh, you know, guys get to play on multiple different throughout their careers and uh, it's cool to see guys get uh, more opportunities well right on well we know you're going to be back for another year Ryan uh, it's been a good couple of years for the Eskimos and hopefully there's another long run coming up ahead I know you're busy thank you so much for joining us always love having you on the show and uh, we'll talk to you soon man okay thanks a lot Richard that is Ryan King from your Edmonton Eskimos checking in. The schedule released today. You can get more on that on 630Ched.com. Again, the home opener Friday, June 30th, an 8 o'clock game against the Alouettes. Ottawa is here early. That's on July 14th. It's just a much more logical schedule. 
I mean, last year they had six of their first nine at home. They had four consecutive road games late in the season. Uh, what They didn't play a home game in October. They had uh, 42 games without a home game. So this one more alternating. They do have two times where they play two home games back-to-back, one time where they play road games back-to-back, but, you know, two in a row isn't bad. And then after August 25th, it goes home away, home away, all until the end of the season. All right, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. I'm going to go back to the text line as well, 630-630. Several uh, Oilers thoughts rolling in as uh, the team is on its uh, bye week, but not slowing down your enthusiasm to talk about them. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Kellen, can you pick a number between one and five? Okay, let's go with uh, number four, Bobby Orr. All right, caller number four, 780-496-0063. We'll get a voucher for a pair of tickets to a future Oil Kings home game. How about that? We're giving something away. Absolutely. We're giving something away. Sean texting into 630-630 says, Reed, you should have either King Brother on at least weekly. Both are articulate and interesting. Well, thank you, Sean. We just had Ryan King from the Eskimos on. Enjoy talking to them. Uh, Sean says, I should also have a Darius Bowman and Odell Willis on the show. Well, we had a Darius Bowman on the show last week. That was pretty cool. He uh, called in to Chuba Hubbard, who had just committed to Oklahoma State to play football. A Darius Bowman played there, so he called in while we were interviewing uh, Chuba to wish him good luck. Uh, what's the status on Matt Benning, another texter says? He's on injured reserve. Obviously, they're not practicing, so we're not getting any updates on the injured players. Maybe we will find out more on Friday. Uh, one texter asked... What's going to prevent the Oilers from regressing? This is, this is what I love about you guys. This season isn't over. Uh, the Oilers are a decent team. Not a great team, but they're a decent team. We don't know how this year is going to finish, and you're already worried about them getting worse next year. But somebody said, what's to prevent the Oilers from uh, regressing like Colorado, the Islanders, and the Avalanche have done recently? All in the last three years, they've had good seasons and then and then not done as well. We have a winner, by the way, to the Oil Kings tickets if you're calling. Um, no, if you, if you want to talk to me, then don't hang up. But if you're just calling for the Oil Kings tickets, they have been given away. Um, and I said, well, hopefully that the fact that the Oilers have McDavid and if the goaltending stays strong, then... Then they won't likely regress. Calgary had a big regression in their goaltending. Uh, John is texting. He says Minnesota and Columbus do not have a star score, and they are doing fine. And you can argue, argue Chicago has never had top-flight goaltending. It's about using what you have to be successful. Regarding Edmonton, they have a chance to win almost every game going into the third, and they're getting points that they wouldn't have gotten historically. My opinion, what they need is to rebuild the second line. It needs to produce more or else they will make an early playoff exit. From what I have seen, cups are not won by the top lines. They are won by the second and third lines. Well, I think John is very accurate there. The team is not deep enough in my mind, to be a legitimate contending top five powerhouse team. They have had depth scoring when they've done well. That depth scoring often has come from unexpected sources like Tyler Pitlick, like Mark Letestu, like Oscar Clefbaum to some extent. 
he has eight goals. Like Patrick Maroon, when he has had his burst. The players who you thought were probably going to be the most consistent depth scorers would have been Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, Lucic, and Pouliot. Well, Pouliot's having a, a dreadful season. Uh, even for a player who's been inconsistent, he's he's well below even some of his poorer seasons. Uh, Lucic hasn't been producing five-on-five. Five. So, I mean, yes, McDavid and Talbot are driving the bus for, the, for this team. Yeah. Having said that, I, I, I don't think that the Oilers or, or anybody who cheers for the Oilers should have to apologize for that. They had a lot of years of no star players or no star player to that extent and really bad goaltending. So good that they have them. Mike says Nugent Hopkins will show his worth come the playoffs. You have to have a good two-way center to win playoff games. Be positive, fans. We're in a playoff spot in February. That's for Mike. Uh... Gary says, uh, Reed, you stated the Oilers were never as bad as the Avalanche, but over six years, the Oilers had the first pick four times and couldn't improve. Uh, and unfairly, their absolute patheticness led them to get McDavid, which really is a statement about how awful this organization has been. If McDavid gets hurt, they may never score. Well, you know what, Gary? All I said was that this year's Avalanche team is is worse than any individual Oilers team that missed the playoffs. And I believe that. Um, you're right, though. The Oilers' decade is is down there with some of the worst decades in any uh, pro sport. Fair enough. But I was talking specifically about this year's Avalanche team, and I was making that point about the uh, emailer who, who was saying that the Oilers give away the puck too much. And I said, well, statistically, the Colorado Avalanche are one of the best teams in giveaways because they have the third fewest giveaways in the NHL, yet they're really bad. So that that was my point there. And by the way, you know what, guys? It's not, it, it, quite frankly, it is not unfair. I, I, I did this a couple summers ago when the Oilers won the draft. It's not unfair that the Oilers got Connor McDavid. The NHL draft and the drafts in all the leagues exist to help bad franchises. And now that we have the draft lottery, the lottery balls don't know how long you've been bad or why you've been bad. I mean, the Buffalo Sabres openly tried to finish last that year to have the best odds at winning McDavid, and they did, and and they didn't win the lottery. So I mean, you can you can pick you you can pick it apart for for any team. Just just be happy that you got them. Harley says, "Hey folks, I'm a lifetime fan of the Oilers. 43 years old." I've seen it from the heydays through the last horrific decade, and I'm not a softy, mushy, gushy guy, but for the love of God, why can we not just be happy and excited about where we're at today? Some of this fan base, and I believe a minority, says Harley, needs to give their heads a shake and look at the cup as half full instead of half empty. Seriously, if you're expecting to this team to be perfect, you're in left field. But if we make the playoffs this year with still needing some work to be done, then I'd say that's pretty hopeful. And that's a ton better than the last 10 years. Just shut up and enjoy. That is the message from Arlie to the text line at uh, 6.30, 6.30. You know, I, I had a theory when the Oilers were bad that that fans always want the team to be one tier higher in the standings. Well, if you're really lousy, why can't you be just plain bad? Well, if you're just a little bit bad, why can't you be average? Well, if you're average, why can't you be good? Well, if you're good, how come you're not great? And and now we're experiencing exactly that, aren't we?
Coming up to the 7 o'clock news, I'll give a full scoreboard update when we get back. We'll find out what a CFL coach was doing in Europe during the Super Bowl. That's up next, Inside Sports on Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.